Welcome back to another edition of the Power Podcast. This week I'm joined by Bertie. Hey, how's it going? And Forty. Buonasera. And Ham. Daddy. And your host Hamish. Um, and as uh, the famous Beatles once were, uh, we're back on the rooftop, all singing together again. Um, it's a rare occasion at the moment. The uh, the full yeah, spine, when- the full playmaking core in in action now. We don't get to have that too often these days. Yeah, well, um, good news. First trial's finished. Um, bad news. The second trial, which now goes for six months, starts tomorrow. So. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's, let's frame a market. Uh, who will get back to full strength first, the Parent Podcast or the Parameter Eels backline? Um, well, our backline might get back together properly this year, so... Maybe the Power Podcast. I think finals time. I'll be. I'll be just about ready to go. August. No, I'll still be in it till October. That's okay. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's 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 start with the weekends of action. Um, so, Ham and Forty, you were out there for the Tasha Gales, or at least watching it on the the live stream. Um, unfortunate for the girls going down fourteen to sixteen against the Newcastle Knights in that semi final at Nostrata Jubilee Stadium. Uh, the Eels had an early lead um, with Leo Marba and Ruby Jean Kennard all getting over. Alicia Bell, uh, it was not a great day to have her worst uh, day off the boot, unfortunately. Um, but after leading, what was it, 14 to 6, unfortunately, they, they couldn't hold on for the win. Yeah, got gunned down by an excellent Newcastle Knights outfit. And like the salty fan I am, I do think there was some dubious referee decisions in the ruck uh, during that comeback. But I do give lots of credit to the Newcastle Knights. They fought back sensationally. I fought their right centre, Mia Middleton, and their prop, Mercedes Metcalf. They were crucial in spearheading that comeback. And for our girls... It was a, a really bitter end to a sensational campaign, wasn't it, Ham? That was so good this year. And, and it's really hard to properly frame how big the jump was they made from 2021 and, and prior to season 2022 where Ryan Walker had them playing fantastic football. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't see the game. I was up at Newcastle and uh, famously where I am, there's very little um, internet access. It's true, so, I've been there. It's a black hole. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't see the game. I could only sort of catch up, uh, have updates. Um, yeah, unfortunate they sort of leave their best game, their worst game until last, I should say. Um, particularly Alicia Bell, I think coming to this game, she'd only missed uh, five conversions all season. Um, so unfortunate for her, but she's still a year young, so she'll be back next year. I, I believe uh, Ryan Walker had uh, a chance to chat to the 60s, and he said that I think eight of that team, the actual team that played on the grand final, are coming back. So good amount of retention. Um, so plenty to be excited about for next year. But yeah, watching that game. They, they still played some good football, but it did feel, and this is something that we'd spoken about both here and then with myself and Sixties on the tip sheet, that th- there was an element of perhaps nerves potentially going to be facing them in this contest, and that sure felt like it. They were a little bit shy, you know, out of sync, not quite as fluent as they had been across that entire uh, regulation season, uh, but they still got themselves out into a good spot. But then uh, Newcastle had that big comeback, and it felt like we ran out of gas a little bit. Uh, lots of uh, consecutive sets of the Knights really sucked out the petrol from the tank for our girls. And they, they still held on and they had a chance to, at one point, uh, uh, get back in front. But, yeah, Newcastle were too good in that comeback and there'll be plenty of lessons to learn from it. Yeah, definitely. Um, except for Rosie Beckett, you know, it's all their first um, finals game. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully we see them in NRLW sooner rather than later playing for the Mighty Eels. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised given that there is that the proper 2022 NRLW uh, I imagine that some of the graduates might be in the mix. Be interesting to see who is in that little. Uh, they'll get someone to the train on group for sure. The way we do with you know NRL with all the 
young guys that attach during the preseason then maybe drop off or if they're good enough carry on but it was a really really fun season really fun campaign and it sucks that it ended one game short uh, of the grand final but they did um, themselves a fantastic service this year the way they played their football was outstanding it was so fun to watch and it bodes well for 2023 yeah isn't that just the um the exact way that you sort of want to set up a team in this Tasha Gale competition. What's this about a third, third or fourth season in, in Tasha Gales? Previously uh, being, they were Wentworthville at one point, weren't they? In this grade, we've always been the Eels. Always been the Eels in this grade. It's in the um, the next grade up, the, right, the Harvey Norman North Premiership North that they're at Wentworthville. Uh, we've yeah. been here since 2018, I want to say. 2018. So was this a, is the fourth season, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's such a, I believe it started off as a nine-a-side competition. Correct. It was nine-a-side ham, and then it transitioned to 13-a-side full, you know, full code. Uh, yeah, so – and we, we, we've gone from a team that didn't have the talent, uh, you know, in the in the catchment proper, didn't have the systems in place, and we played a very simple game predicated on power forwards, and we had some – I mean, Lasalle City Payne was one of the best players in the competition last year, but the jump we've made this year has been huge. The You know, just mechanically the girls are playing – well-rounded football, they can shift the ball left to right, they tackle well, they read well. Uh, we've got you know really good systems in place and I look forward to hopefully going a step further next year and getting into the big dance. And as you said, also acting as a pipeline to go through to the first grade. Correct. Um, in the NRL Women's Premiership, now with an Eels, to- uh, Eels team in that top flight rugby league. Okay. And do we expect a couple of these Tasha player, uh, Tasha Gales uh, players to to go into the Harvey Norman Premiership as well? I, I would imagine they will go, yeah, there'll be a few that would make that bridging step into the Harvey Norman's uh, Women's Premiership. And I, I have to imagine our affiliation would be Wenty because we don't have an official team here. So. Yeah, I guess that's the next step in the in the, in the the development of the women's game out in Parramatta is to, to get our own official Eels team in that in that competition. Yeah, so you have a proper, essentially, New South Wales Cup team feeding into the uh, mainstream competition. Yep. All right, we'll keep taking steps um, on there. But as, as you said, Forty and Ham, um, great year of footy, great year of development, and hopefully uh, they can kick on again next year and go one better. All right, well, let's jump on to the next match, which saw the Eels uh, again having a loss in the Jersey flag. Eels 20 to the Knights 27 at Cessnock Sports Ground at Cessnock, and that was on Saturday, the 23rd of April. I was out there um, on that day, went through Cessnock. Um Eels tries, Blackburn, Raythall and Sanders and Corey Finning three from three off the bench plus a penalty goal, uh, but unfortunately uh, not enough to get over the top even with uh, the Knights having a sin bin in the first half. Yeah, uh, a little note to this game that is worth mentioning is that the front row did get gutted ahead of kickoff. Uh, both, <coughs> excuse me, uh, both David Hollis and Jack Colavati were caught up to the New South Wales Cup so uh, poor Simon Wolford, he can't buy anything close to a full-strength team or a non-disruptive team in this grade. Um, just as he gets his back line fixed up, uh, looking real sharp, fending Tupuatu, Gaima, Kalachi, and Williams, plus his first-strength, uh, full-strength halves, he loses out in the pack. So uh, we, we spoke about this one in the preview, Hamish. Uh, I think you were absent for that one, but we were talking about how this would be a good litmus test for the boys. Had a really nice comeback wing against the West Tigers last week, but before that, uh, they'd lost to the ladder-leading Roosters, uh, fairly comprehensively, uh, although with, once again, a disrupted team list. And they came to this game against the third-place Knights. Couldn't quite get the bickies, but it, looked like, it looks like it was a competitive affair. Yeah, well, that's just unfortunate, isn't it? With this year of uh, injuries for the Eels, unfortunately, we're plagued by it. And they're not, you know, uh, they don't seem to be injuries that come from some sort of fundamental training issue. They just seem to be unlucky ones, don't they? And a lot of it is just literally the flow on from first grade. It's actually crazy what the cascading effect has been with all those injuries in the back line in first grade in the NRL, uh, 
then impacting our reserve grade setup of Ryan Carr, which has then had to draw heavily on the jersey flag. I mean, if, if you go through the actual flag numbers for participants in the Cup this year, uh, even though we're just seven uh, rounds into this season, I think we're going to be close to double-digit flag-eligible players having played senior football. Yeah, quite well, easily, I think. Well, let's jump into that uh, reserve grade team and, and a player coming from the flag who's doing himself uh, uh, no harm, uh, Matthew Komalafi. He's maybe probably next up on the uh, – <laughs> or getting pretty close after – uh, if 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 any other backline player would have to go down in the first grade, no. Come off. He had one job on the weekend, one job, and he let me down. All he had to do was easy, just score four damn tries, and he could only <laughs> he get could have. only scored a hat trick. Uh, and let you right down. Yeah, so uh, he he mean his try scoring feats. A lot of it has been relatively straightforward for a winger. You know, admittedly, but he's done some really good tough work to score some of those tries too. Contesting grubbers, contesting bombs, fighting through cover defenders. And he's done a really good job on that left flank for the uh, Eels in reserve grade. And oh, I've been saying the ham that in the – I mean, we all have had a good rap on Kamalafi for a long time coming through the reps. But this year in the flag, I wouldn't have said that he warranted a call-up to the New South Wales Cup based on form. But obviously injuries became opportunity for him as he got into the cup on the back of that. And he hasn't looked back. He's been really good. And I think outside of a, a couple of, uh, you know, odd – literally only a couple of defensive lapses here and there where he's actually he's missed a tackle in their half across two games I think it was both the Dragons and then uh, more recently this game the Knights no it was the Dragons and the Tigers West Magpies uh, he missed tackles that caused line breaks but then made the cover tackle and forced errors in that same play so he's been really really good in this grade and uh, you, you know you say that he might actually be the next man up and given if the Eels would need dispensation to play him that might be the only hurdle he's playing some good football. Yeah, well, sorry, I, I, I think – sorry, I was just going to say, I missed, I missed the score at the top. Eels 26 to the uh, Knights 8. Laffey with 3. Jordan Rankin, Jaden Yates also getting tries, and then Jordan Rankin 3 off the boot. So go into it, Ham. I knew I was just going to say Komalafi, uh probably come into the season. I think he did a, his second NRL preseason this year. I think that's correct, mate, yeah. Uh, possibly one and a half. I'm not too sure about last year. He definitely did one this year. Um didn't think he'd do this well. You know, obviously the, the try scoring feats are, are one thing to be proud about, but, you know, he's getting in there and rucking the ball out well. So um, still slight for his frame. He could probably put on another five or so kilos and really bulk up, um, but he's still doing the hard, words, hard, hard yards there. I think he's averaging over 120 metres a game at the moment. So at 20 years old, good to see, good to see him get his hands on the ball um, and getting those reps under under his belt. Yeah, just, just on. Oh, sorry, you go. No, no, you, you you lead the conversation. I was just going to talk about players, so I'm happy to see where you go first. Oh, I was just going to, again, bang on about Komalafi. So, obviously, somebody we've been um, touching on, well, not touching, but uh, touching upon uh, in the heels, uh, in the Power Podcast, probably since since we started. That's when he was playing Harold Mats. Yeah. yeah, from the start, he's been one that was uh, for him and I who were at the games and a few boys that got to see the highlights uh, or the odd game, you know, when it, when it lined up. He's always yeah. Been- Sorry. He's always been an eye-catcher because he's – I don't think he's realised his athletic potential, but he's always just been a footballer, a guy that puts himself in the right spots, makes the big plays because of it. Well, yeah, if if anybody can remember back, I think it was that Harold Matt's grand final against Manly where we unfortunately went down. Was that 2017 or 2018? I can't remember now. Um, Um, 2018. Yeah, 2018. But he almost single-handedly brought us back with a run – inside the last five minutes from our half. I think he, he made about 40 or 50 metres. Um, but if anybody's seen him, he's obviously of African heritage. Um, is he first generation into Australia? I'm not quite sure. Um, uh, yeah, not sure. I, 
Yeah. I know he comes from Guildford. That's about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and he sort of has that frame that you expect to be playing uh, AFL for, for GWS, but um, obviously stuck with rugby league and he's doing really well for himself. So um, hopefully he can punch on, uh, get another preseason under his belt and be playing in uh, reserve grade for the next year or two and hopefully uh, find a way through to first grade because we've always had big raps on him. But yeah, just going back to that theme I was talking about before, talking about uh, the Jersey flag eligible boys in this team, you look at the roster that we fielded against the Knights who went on to have that very comprehensive victory, Komalafi, Samuel Luizu, uh, then you go further down, you've got uh, Jaden Yates has graduated this year, but uh, Tavita Tamapenu, Ryan Jones, Jack Colavati, David Hollis, uh, they're all flag eligible this year. So the Eels drawing heavily upon that resource there, and they're all having good games. I mean, Ham, you've spoken about Tavita pretty glowingly in, the, in recent weeks, and I think he had a real good game, probably peaking based on everything that we've seen so far, going 12 for 128 uh, through the middle as a starter. Got a few uh, uh, tackles in there as well. So having a, a real 22 tackles, zero miss, zero ineffective. So having a real quality game there. Yeah, sort of someone that, you know, didn't have my eye on coming into the into the season because, you know, still haven't got the 2022 Jersey flag squad list from Parramatta Eels. So if anyone's listening there, please, you know, a little head down. But, um, yeah, Tavita T's just come into reserve grade here. Now it's his third or fourth game, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, and just absolutely smashing it. Like he's big, he's powerful, um, and he makes it known. I wouldn't have known, I wouldn't have look. guessed he was flag eligible if not for the fact that we saw him play a couple of games. He just yeah. like is very well built. Uh, you know, he's, he's I wouldn't say he's a, a freakishly large, you know, like Jason Tamalolo guy, but he is pretty comfortably mid high one eighties, I'd say. Looks well grown for his frame. And he just doesn't look overawed by the you know, and reserve grade can be pretty competitive and he doesn't look overawed by it at all. Yeah, that's right. Well, and this is his first game starting. Um, he's come off the bench twice. Just having a look at his numbers, and you know, it's it's shown in the numbers. He's um increased his minutes, he's increased his running meters, and he's still at a hundred percent tackle efficiency even after this weekend. Yeah, so really so, love to see that. And if Tavita's been a player that surprised us, the players that we're looking out for really had good games too. Him, I think if you look at the trio of Brendan Hands, Elias Gaham, and Kai Rodwell, they really spearheaded the way for the Eels in this game. Oh, Brandon Hands, he just continues to impress me. I think, um, you know, I think that next step for him is that utility role on the bench. Yeah, well, he had a great, great game of dummy half against the Magpies. Great did, game. Did he, did he play six in this game? Yes, yeah. at five eight. Got two line break assists, two try assists uh, in this contest. Had a very good game. Uh, Twenty seven tackles, just one missed, and two ineffective. So they threw a lot of traffic at him. He handled it very well. Um, that sort of flexibility, and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I think he'd be primarily a dummy half and an emergency half in that utility role, Ham. But I think he's got an in him to play a bit of small ball lock forward too, which Brad Arthur does like. Yeah, he seems to have a bit of mongrel in him. So when he gets in defence, he gets right underneath the uh, right underneath the rib cage, right underneath the ball there. So yeah, he was sort of highly t- not highly touted from Penrith because obviously he would have been playing first grade there. But come over with a few raps, and he hasn't done himself any harm. He's, in fact, he's probably done really good for himself. And I think that you know, if he just keeps continuing to plug away at this, who and who it'd was be it hard on this? Not to pick on the bench. Who was it on this podcast? Because I know it wasn't me. I don't think who tipped Ellie Olskehan to be the first debutant this year. I'm pretty certain someone did. I think it was him. Yeah, I think I might have picked him yeah. actually because our second row stocks were sort of worried about it. So. 
Um, you guys can speak to it a bit better than I can, but the development of Ellie from what over the last two years is somebody who was like a fringe sort of second rower in Jersey flag um, off the bench and now is playing regular uh, first grade and, and running over 150 metres every week. And, and the thing is that if you watch him in those runs, it feels like every carry he is fending off the first guy that comes his way pretty comprehensively. He, he is physically dominating these games uh, and he scored a really nice try off the back of a good Samuel Oizu run uh, where he got in for the dummy half and just Allah almost he almost it was a, what as I Papali'i try um did later in the NRL game uh, got into dummy half and just stormed over so yeah Ellie's been fantastic um, I already mentioned we all mentioned Brendan Hands but Kai Rodwell again he went fourteen for nearly one fifty had how many tackles forty nine tackles zero missed zero ineffective so some uh, prime Nathan Brown esque numbers right there Kai's a player I think really should be getting a look in soon to first grade although and saying that. Makasi Makatara, a player I thought had plateaued a little bit, also had just had his best game of the season in NRL. So he's um, obviously feeling the pressure coming underneath. The other player that probably we should shout out, I thought uh, Jaden Yates had a good game, Ham. Yeah, Yates, he's still, a, you know, he's always going to be the small frame. Um, but he come on, played in the middle, and really used his small frame to good use. He was stepping off both left and right feet um, and getting in between fenders, which, you know, when you're of that smaller frame in the forward pack, that's what you want to see. You want to see them. Um, using a bit of skill and agility to beat those defenders rather than just size. So yeah, we uh, uh, we shouted out Kamalafi for his uh, ridiculous uh, nine tries in what four games, which makes him one off the the lead for the competition. But that's back to back games with back to back of can tries for Jesus consecutive games of tries for uh, our boy Jaden Yates there. So good to see him featuring on the scorers list, and yeah, just good to see Ryan Carr's team amidst all the injuries and reshuffles. They're still sitting in the top four. They're hanging out with the top two. They're just one game behind both the Panthers and Jets, playing some really good football. Well, that's bullshit. Um, sorry, just watching the Melbourne Warriors game. <laughs> <laughs> the Storm drag him back in when he planned Oh, Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> you got me as I was drinking some water too. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's look at first grade. Unfortunately, boys, I was at the museum watching the uh, the Lego uh, dinosaur exhibit. So I, I didn't get to watch most of this game. Um, and I've only watched the KO Mini on re- uh, on repeat this morning. But uh, Eels 39, Knights 2, uh, try scorer Sean Lane, Hayes, Perham gets in for – is that his first try in first grade? To the Eels? Yeah, he didn't score against Penrith, uh, and he obviously didn't score against the Tigers. So, yes, first try for yep. Pace Perrin. Um, Dill Brown, Will Penasini, and a double to Isaiah Papali'i. Mitch Moses, five from six, including one that went over the top of the goalpost, which uh, there's a bit of consternation about. Um, two penalty goals and a field goal. Um, so, after leading at halftime 14-2, uh, really put on the on the pain in that second half. Uh, but from what I score, uh, Knight's goal line defense was just abominable. Oh, yeah, not going to be pretty review for them. It, it was very, very ordinary. And I think the best way to frame this game, it was the, the best kind of boring. Eels played really basic fundamental football, uh, but I suppose that's why FUN starts fundamental. It's so fun. Uh, but, they, yeah, they just were, kept it simple after the debacle the week before against the West Tigers. And like what we said in the, in the preview for the Tigers game, who would have thought just constant, diligent, applied pressure will cause so many of the teams below us on the ladder to completely fold? You know, I, I said in the uh, review last week, the review part of the pod, that to get these games, all you have to do, go in there, complete your sets. You don't have to throw everything at them. These shit teams will crumble under themselves. And this mm-hmm. is what we did. We didn't go out there doing our second row suite. We didn't go out there throwing chip kicks. We didn't go out there, you know, doing whatever. 
we just went in there, complete our sets, got to our kick, and you know when the opportunity came, we went for it, but we didn't try anything spectacular. It's, what, it's exactly what we needed to do. It was a, it was a professional performance. Bertie, we haven't heard from you. Yeah, no. So um, I actually I didn't watch this game live, so I had to go back and rewatch um rewatch it. Uh, I what's, thought what's uh, going on podcast Matt- standards are slipping this week. Sorry, what? Standards are slipping this week. Hamish had to do dad stuff, I suppose, <laughs> but half the podcast didn't get to watch the game live. I played the. F- I don't. I don't. I don't want to say I'm a bad fan, but I had another game I was watching <laughs> similar. It's my, I was watching my Timberwolves play, so it was a oh, playoff fi- game, NBA Finals. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, but just rewatching it. Um. First off, I want to say congratulations, Caleb Ponga, not only signing the five million dollar deal, but also <laughs> being cast at home and away. That was the biggest dive I ever ever seen in rugby league. Like Reed Money, the midget, literally shoves him over, and he's tumbling over. It has to go for a HIA. Like I, I will say this. As much as Ashley Quine gives me the shits, there was actually a rare moment of consistency for him in this game. Uh, was it Zai Papali, boys, that got hit off the ball? Yeah, it was in the second half, and he said I had to give him to him in the first <laughs> yeah. half. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, other than that, Matto, like, uh, you know, we said it uh, last year in the, in the finals, like, I think his new position is lock. And, you know, Nathan Brown, you know, you're, you better play your best game each week because Matto does a really good job. You know, he, he's a better passer than Brown. Yeah, he's not aggressively good in t- in defense, but I thought it was Maddo's you know best game. He he usually has a good game against Knights. Last year we beat them forty to four. You know he scored a couple of tries. Um, other than yeah. that, Hayes was solid. I, you know, as I said, I joined in. I didn't watch it live, and I saw Dylan, when I saw because I saw on Twitter I saw Dylan Brown in the centers. I was like, nah, this can't be true. But who would have thought the two best centers in the league? And I tweeted it out: Talakai and Dylan Brown. <laughs> unbelievable. And yeah, Hayes is solid. I don't I don't know why. Look. Right after you, idiot. Should have made the decision last week. Move Hayes. He, he was solid. Yeah, yeah just uh, Hay- Hayes very pleasant on the wing there. Knight sent a bit of traffic to him in the air early on. He diffused all those bombs comfortably. Uh, did a bit of ruck work too. His numbers are actually quite solid. Fifteen carries for one hundred and eighteen. Nothing incredible. The the per run rate there isn't you know top notch, but it's exactly what you need from your what 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 uh, string wing are you at now? Seven, eight, nine. I don't know. Uh, you know, he did a very good job. Scored his first try, obviously on the on the back of a really nice pass from Sean Lane. That was. I wasn't ask. I wasn't asking for miracles. Look, Oldfield didn't set the bar high, so <laughs> Oldford, I'm going to keep mentioning. I'm going to keep mentioning Oldfield man, because he doesn't. The, he, but he, he was the, solid. The bar under sea level, Jesus, mate. It's just. I'm, I'm glad you shouted out Madison Birdie. Uh, he was my player of the game off the bench. You don't see that too often. Uh, obviously, bench roles are important, but being able to have that kind of impact, 17 carries, 193 meters, and every time he ran the ball. I talked about Ellie Olsakam beating the first defender. He felt like he was beating the first one or two defenders. Newcastle could not bring him down. He was running with, uh, you know, abandoned through the ruck. Really good to see for him, I think, uh, starting to come to his own as he puts those concussions behind him. He's playing like a bloke that isn't worried about the contact anymore. And, like, maybe another concussion comes. That's football. But he looks like he's back to 100%. And it's been a while coming. And, geez, he's a heck of a player when he's at 100%. Yeah, so just having a look at that. Most of the forwards running over 100 and 100 meters, so that's always good. It was only Sean Lane; he couldn't keep up with the other 100 uh, club, unfortunately. Yeah, he did have a um, try, set up a try, so I'll give him a pass. Yeah, and do you think we'll persist with um with uh, Dillbags at centre and and Jake Arthur on on uh, at seven, or is that just because uh, Murata was injured this week? Or I could see, given our lack of resources, until we get a, a pure. Back, back, that's terrible phrasing for me, but get a pure outside back uh, returning to the fold. I think that the success we had this week might encourage Brad Arthur to uh, run it back. And I'm not a huge fan of this configuration, but they obviously um, prepared for it well this week. 
and had a few different looks to keep Dylan involved heavily. He, he was essentially still playing half five eight for good portions of that game, uh, but was still out in the centres defensively. So at least they game plan for it effectively. Although I, I would argue that you just keep doing the halves and throw it whatever body is functional, whether it's Zach Sini or Samuel Louise who went to the centres, and it probably achieves a, a better res- net result for the team. But you know, obviously this one worked really well. We nearly shut out the Newcastle Knights, only a penalty goal on the board. Defensively had them you know, eaten up and, and played really good offensive football too. Yeah, I, I know we worked it so that um, a few of those times when Dill scored his try, he was at first receiver. Uh, for Hayes Perham's try, he was at first receiver with what essentially was three playmakers on the open side and we went the short side. And actually, if you watch uh, Laney's first try, it's actually the work of Jake Arthur. Um, he sits just in behind the ruck and then right at the last second, he sweeps it. He goes out to the right-hand side, which draws Ponga out of, you know, he was in there um, ready for that play. And then so he actually watches Jake and then follows him back behind the ruck. Um, so you see that, which draws Ponga out of position, which brings uh, Laney's crash ball over into play. So, you know, on that instance, it works, but I just, I Jake, just think Jake, that... Dill and to be fair, Jake too. also had another moment where he'd set up a nice little line break for Dill, but he dropped it cold uh, yeah. down left centre. But I think it comes back to the mantra, you're weakening a strength, the strength and a weakness. And it worked against a Newcastle outfit that, let's let's be brutally honest, uh, they're not very good. And Appreciate Yeah. The Kalen Ponga news uh, obviously was potentially a boost for them, but they didn't play like it. And uh, they now slumped to 14th on the ladder as a result. And I think you said, Ham, five straight losses for the Knights after bursting out of the blocks. So they're, they're in a world of hurt right now. And, you know, we've got the Cowboys next week, which they're one of the more ascending teams this year. But maybe you can get away with the same thing uh, against the Cowboys. But with the Panthers on the horizon, geez, you'd have to think they'd look at that you know configuration in the back line and say, we can pick that apart. Yeah, I just – I don't think Dill's, – Dill's one of the informed halves so far in the competition. You just – to me, you play the hot hand, and Dill's Dill's the hot hand at the moment. He's still got um, top for try assists. He'd be up there for line break assists, line breaks, tries. Um, he'd be all leading that for halves, and I just think you got to have Dylan in, in the halves there just because he's killing I, it. I and could I understand. If, if we were Jake, literally crated out of outside backs, if there was literally no one – left at the club that was, you know, functionally available to play back line. I could understand this move, but it just feels like if you've got a Zaccini, a Loizu, or even a Jordan Rankin, like just Rankin is yeah. NRL experienced and, and will do a job for you. All you need is a body in that spot. And I think keeping Dylan, like you said, Ham, as the hot hand, one off the ruck, um, it makes so much sense. But, you know, the results speak for themselves this week. Uh, but, you know, it remains to be seen against a, a more credible opponent if it would work. You reckon a safer Solomon Ray will just get a fine for that one? Oh, it's like he's, he's third or fourth swinging arm to the head this year. Like. Like, did he get penalised? Was that Reese yeah. Walsh? Yeah, the one on Reese Walsh. Yeah, Reese did Walsh you, might be a little more valuable to the NRL than Paul Makahesi Makatoa, so maybe that will get a suspension. Do you think going forward, like, and look, I don't want to down the bloke, this might be the end of, you know, Miss Rain on the bench? Like, well, God, what I is your sorry? Yeah, it might be the end of Mitch Rain because he also hurt his knee in the cup game at the end. Uh, but because uh, like I feel like on the bench we need, especially we got Panthers a couple of weeks or whatever. We need a big forwards on the bench. We need Morata back on the bench. 
you know, I, Kofusi. I, I mean, it's, it's funny because Rain actually had a great game in the Cup too. We didn't mention him, but he was very good around the rock. And he's been really unfortunate. He's two NRL caps for us where he's had errors on line breaks. Like he's actually picked apart the defense and somehow there's been a hand that's found its way to the ball uh, as the guy's turning around twice to knock it out. But yeah, I, I think injury or no, he's probably going to be playing Cup uh, one, you know, or obviously injured uh, for a while. It does potentially open the door for a guy like Brendan Hands, but it also makes me think of how much the Ray Stone injury hurts us too because he was the one sort of utility that Brad Arthur really trusted to play whether he needed him as a utility or as a back rower, and he really had that nice little niche on our bench, and his loss really hurts. I think our best bench is um, four forwards. It might be it, Hans. I think it's yeah. Ryan Madison. I think it's Makisi Makatoa. It's either Isaiah Papali'i or Murata, and it's Kafuzi. Yeah. And obviously, I just, I you know, near Corey, Corey and Madison give you a little bit of flexibility too. Both can play either – well, one can play centres pretty comfortably. Madison probably plays centres in a pinch too, but Madison can also be that uh, tall 5'8 if you need him in the halves. So. Yeah, but wouldn't you – yeah, you could play him at 5'8 and move Dill out to the exactly. to that sort of centre centre position. So. Yeah, so you've got options you know, with those guys. Yeah. And yeah, I think Ham, you might be right. Just having the four forward bench might be the way to go in an ideal world. And, and speaking you know, because we're, we're a power, we, we base our game on power, we base our game on completed sets. Like this one, we completed, what, 80, not 85%, yep. and we had 59% possession. If you're rolling up the middle there, and you've got four forwards on the bench, that's going to be well, hard to we stop. We bashed the Knights, and the Knights are no, like, they're no powder puffs. They've got Saifidi, who's a New South Wales player, a uh, represent player. Clemens an ex-player, but he's an enforcer. Like, Frizzell's a solid forward. They weren't, like, softies. We bashed them, you know, even straight from the kickoff, and... And I don't uh, think it's a coincidence that we had such consistent pressure this game with it also coming on the back of what I feel were probably Makatoa and Kafusi's best performances off the bench this year. Um, so it obviously helped us keep the pressure on there. But the other thing that we, we haven't mentioned, and it makes you know such a huge difference, Junior Paula. You know, he just came back into the fold, rolled out for an easy nearly 150 metres, uh, was you know just a handful for the defence the entire time. And, and I know Brownie sets the line speed, but it feels like Junior Polo might be the guy that's the enforcer in that front row or in the middle. He's the one that really can lay the wood, lay the boom, and, and he did a couple of times against Newcastle. And it was just so good to have him back after a bullshit suspension. How good is it to have a halfback that can tackle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how good is it to have a hooker to pass to your halfback to kick a field goal? Well, yeah, yeah, I think that was definitely – I know I know people want to say disrespectful field goal, but I think that was a training run after the last two yeah. weeks. They're like, <laughs> we need to practice this in real game time, guys. Well, I reckon from now and for the rest of the season, we – you know, as long as we're not behind and chasing points, 40 go for out, the field goal every, yep, exactly. every game. Yeah. Every game. doesn't matter whether you're up by – yeah, obviously, if you're up by one, you're not going to have a field goal. But like, ten plus, if, if if you're ready in position and it's the right context, go for the field goal because the more you do it in game, you know you can train for it all you like, and they can say train it, train. There's no pressure like first grade pressure, and even though there was nothing in it, one of the Saifidi brothers was still up there putting pressure. Yeah, on he, he did. He actually made a good effort on it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's you know you don't get pressure like first grade pressure, and um. So, I, yeah, I, I I like the disrespectful field goal. Whoever coined that term is a moron. Um, <laughs> I think it was, was West Tigers fans. That was Easter Monday right. after we beat them 51-6, to six, yeah, the disrespectful field goal by well, Moses. there you go. Enough said. Um, but, yeah, go for a field goal every single game. And speaking every of, single game. Speaking of Tigers, and I hate – God forbid me for, you know, praising them, but even different looks, if you look at how they won it, everyone was looking at Hastings, but it was Luke Brooks in the back. So – 
you know, we might, you know, mix it up a bit, you know, give it to Moses or Brown or even Guffo, but yeah, I'd, just I'd practice. Say if our you... option to would be Gufferson because he's the guy that handles all our uh, restarts. So he's probably... I remember he sunk one against, was it against uh, the Bulldogs a couple of years ago? Uh, he got the Raiders in Golden Point, 25-24. Um, maybe yeah. against the Dogs too. But, I mean, uh, like that player last year or two years ago, Nathan Brown, you know, backwards. Yeah, that, was, that was a cool little set piece. Yeah, that was. Yeah, just give different looks, you know, you hit 10 plus, you know, you know, you can afford to give up seven tackle set. It's not going to hurt you. What's the worst that's going to happen? You miss it? Oh, well, you learn experience. But I think- I know what, Dylan Brown kicked one in the semi-final against Penrith in the Harold Matts five go. years ago, six mm. years ago. But uh, it, it was just good to see us get it done clinically. It, it was, you know, to the posts, read money, gets Moses in the slot, uh, clean pass. There was no miscommunication. There was no standing up and passing the ball like he did against the Tigers. Off the ground, fast, and that's why he was able to beat out Saifidi. Uh, Moses was able to beat out Saifidi at the snap kick. Uh, but yeah, this this was a game. I mean, I, I labelled it a get right game. Uh, I think it remains to be seen if it is a fully get right game, given that we've still got so many injuries and and whatnot. But we went back to fundamentals, got it done. Uh, we had players like Azai Papali'i come back from what I would argue was a a career worst game as an eel against the Tigers last week with a really really strong performance. Uh, I thought Gufferson was incredibly polished at the back. Newcastle could never get the kick past him. Uh, we already mentioned Hayes Perrin, but Bally Simonson continues to really come, oh. come on and come on. And it's to the point where, uh, you know, I think we saw it with uh, the Roosters today. They they get uh, a lot of their, like Joey Munner often have a license to range on the other side of the field. The way Bally, Bally Simonson is able to break tackles and whatnot, I wouldn't mind seeing him have a bit of a commission or some looks to create numbers on the other side of the field. And the other team that did it, was it, uh, was it the Rabbitohs or the Broncos? The Broncos of Corey Oates. They did yeah. it as well this week. So there, there's some, some nice little looks you can do with the other winger coming in, and, and Bowie's got a bit of that fullback background, so he could be comfortable as that extra option. Did anyone see uh, what Guffo said during the week? You know, he's, I, was, I didn't know he played for Rugby 7th for New Zealand, Bailey Simonson. Yeah, he, and he had that he first took pass. A, took a sabbatical from Rugby yeah. to go play 7s. So he's got a, he's got a bit of speed, man. Yeah, and, and I was surprised when I, because I've, I've actually looked at his metrics up until now, but he's actually well built. He's 188, you know, well into the 90s too, so... He, he is a player, and it's a cautionary tale for all fans, isn't it, about you know sort of closing the books on someone after a couple of rounds. He obviously took a little bit of time to find his feet at a new home, and all of a sudden he's looking like a real plus contributor to us. I wrote him off too quickly. <laughs> if, he, if he keeps this up, you know, I, I just I didn't see I didn't see an improvement in him. I thought he just looked like he didn't care, but boy, he's looking like he cares now. And you know, I, I think if he can get a few more tries under his belt, obviously that's not all of his. Um, doing yeah, it's being a function a of the way yeah, the way the team plays exactly. But if he can get a few tries under his belt and he continues making, you know, if he can, you know, obviously it's against Newcastle. If he can get those long breaks and you know, in that instance, run at him, Bailey. Don't step yourself into a, into a standstill. Just run at him. No one's going to keep up with you, so you're not going to have anyone to pass to. You might have, actually. It was funny because he was running towards me at the stadium. I thought it was Dylan Brown that made the yeah, uh, break initially. Yeah, the initial thing was very Dill-esque, wasn't it? Uh, it's just the way he was running, how fast he was, and the sort of the body shape and everything. I thought, I thought it was Dylan Brown. Then he passed to Dylan Brown. I went, <laughs> oh, it's not Dylan. <laughs> so, but no one's going to catch a Bailey. Put the foot down and goosey the fullback. Don't try and step around. Just goose the fullback, and you'll, you'll, you'll you know, Ponga's. Ponga defends like Ponga defends, and if it were, you know, when the attacker does the right thing for him, then he looks like a genius. But if the attacker does the wrong thing, which is run at him, he looks like a fool. Just run at him, make him look like a fool, use your speed, you're going to beat him nine times out of ten. 
Yeah, no, I think um, 40, I think you made the point the other week, or it might have been, I can't remember who made the point, about um, Gutherson's first couple of games on the yeah. on the wing at the Eels. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, you know, never judge judge somebody too quickly. And, and Simerson, yeah, I'm glad that he's uh, he's starting to kick on. He's starting to get a bit confident. Um, he, he seems to have a different centre every week. So <laughs> <laughs> at least uh, he, he's uh, acclimatising himself to change. But hopefully when he gets um, – who's going to be there? Is it Penasini that was playing – yeah, he's we, inside. We, we've got yeah. we've got Will back to right centre, thankfully, so they can yeah. keep working that combination, which defensively is starting to uh, come on, which I suppose is the big thing because offensively they're both very good with the ball in hand. And and Will this game, I wouldn't say it was one of his best games, but even so, you can just see when he has the ball in hand how dangerous he is. Um, and Bradman Best, who was obviously a very uh, storied young centre himself, really struggled to contain Penasini. Um, so really looking forward to what the the uh, the PS combination, the Penasini Simonson combination, can do. And then hopefully on the other side of the field, we, we can get some consistency one way or the other. But for now, I think it's Hayes Perrin's wing spot to lose, which is good a good thing to have after all the uh, different backline permutations we've run through this year. All right, boys. We'll be on for a while, actually. It's been nice to have the four of us back together. The band's back together. It's been very good. Um, but perhaps uh, we leave it there and we wrap it up. Uh, Bertie, you've got some um, some uh, NBA finals to be watching tomorrow. Yeah, uh, well, I thought Ben Simmons was going to play, but he's a coward and he's pulled he's got, out. He's got a sore um, back, bruv. Come on, man. You wouldn't understand. It's a sore back. It's so hard. Uh, sore back, mate. He got married recently. I mean, I know why he's got a sore back. And the old shaggers back attack. Uh, but like uh, other than that, um, the draft this week, boys. You know, listen here. We got I got two Green Bay Packers fans on this pod, which you know I'm not a fan of that team, and we got a Seattle team uh, fan. Both of you guys have multiple first round picks now. Who's gonna fuck it up this week? Seattle. They will. Hundred percent. What a love again. Yeah. No, I, I think we'll, we've we've got to go for a whiteout because um, you know we're running pretty low on uh, on whiteouts, giving away the uh, the best the best in the league, um, unfortunately. Um, but uh, you know, I, 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 to be honest, I haven't followed the NFL since uh, we lost to the 49ers um, to, to I, Jimmy G. I, I've uh, got I've got Seattle's draft strategy for you right now. This is like fresh intel from the team trade Rogers. trade trade it's it's going to be. <laughs> Our, our number nine pick or whatever it is, number eight, number nine, uh, it's going to be trade down into the teens, overdraft the tackle that no other team thinks deserves to go in the first round because he fits the Seattle profile. Then with one of yeah. our two second round picks, we'll draft back into the first, uh, trade back into the first, sorry, and then overdraft the QB that probably shouldn't be picked in the first two or three rounds uh, when there is a great QB class next year, and then we'll make him our QB one. So that, that's how Seattle's going to butcher this draft. Yeah, well, Thursday the twenty eighth of April, so the first round I'll uh, I'll be watching in. Um, sounds like it's going to be a good day. Um, Oakland learnt learnt their way, man. They kept drafting uh, the new Mean Machine players, Prison Gang. Everyone they drafted was hitting the prison. <laughs> they learnt their lesson. On, on, on the flip yeah, side. now they've got the best uh, wide receiver in the league. Unfortunately, oh, I don't know. I think he's overrated, to be honest. No, he is so good. I, I don't like the Dirty Packers, but he is so good. Um, put this way, ham, oh, put this way, ham. Whoever whoever the Packers take. If it's a wide receiver, Chris Walsh, what are you doing, son? Yeah. <laughs> He's charged to the head. <laughs> whoever the Packers take will have a twelve hundred yard season. Will be a Pro Bowler, guarantee him. And whoever the Chiefs take, Aaron Rodgers will just throw it to a non stop. Oh, you idiot! Yeah, sorry, not you, buddy. Reese Walsh, my TV <laughs> just caught up. Nah, Randall Cobb again. It's going to be Randall Cobb again. Oh, Randall Cobb again. <laughs> the Lizard King. And then there's um somebody in the draft who's also a lizard. So, um, Oh, no, no, no. That wasn't in the draft. It was the other guy that we picked up, Sammy Watkins. He's a lizard. Because mm. he believes in lizard people. Oh, and right. he is he's a lizard man. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got, we've got the Lizard King and the, uh, the King of Lizards. <laughs> uh. 
But yeah, in good news for me, if my Seattle Seahawks suck, at least the Seattle Mariners are making a great start to their season in the MLB. They're playing some great baseball. Just had a, a series sweep against the Kansas City Royals right after beating an interdivision rival in the Rangers. So they have the day off tomorrow and it's going to be a good little break. What are you talking about? You've got like the most uh, competition-heavy uh, uh, QB class uh, in the NFL. Drew Locke up against Geno Smith. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, gosh, the battle. competition. Oh, that, that might be the, the greatest, like worst battle of QBs ever. Geno fresh off a DUI up against Drew Locke, who the Broncos threw in as a salary dump to get Russell Wilson. So, oof, yeah, it's, uh, it's <laughs> we've got a coach. I got a coach and a GM who refuse to believe their roster is bottom ten and don't need the club doesn't need a rebuild. Um, so, I don't think this year is going to be very pretty for Seattle fans. Um, all right, well, let's wrap it up there. We're going here for about fifty minutes now, and um, uh, forty minutes. That's no, still good. Um, but uh, we'll we'll be ready to go for the preview uh, Tuesday night. Get that up sometime Wednesday. We're up against Cowboys, obviously this week in first grade. Uh, they're coming off the back of a of a pretty good win against the Broncos, but then again, it was the Broncos. But the Cowboys, they've actually um, oh, Titans, Titans. A little preview, preview. Um, the Cowboys. Oh yeah, against Titans. Sorry, uh, they beat the Broncos before that, or the Broncos beat them. Um, They've had an easy draw. Let's be honest. Like, easy draw, but, but they're doing a little bit better than I thought they're, they're they would playing, be because, um, than I thought, 100%, you know, yeah. yeah, the last couple of years, you know, people have always hyped them up to top eight um, at the end of the season, and this year, you know, yeah, nobody's they, believing the hype, and um, and so, you know, yeah, they've they, won a couple of good games. Yeah, they, who they, they, they beat the Raiders, Broncos, beat the Raiders, uh, got beat. Oh, uh, they the lost to the Warriors, but they, well, they beat the Raiders twice. They beat the Raiders twice, so they can't play them again. And the Titans, and they rolled the Bulldogs. And that young back rower, he's he's a star. We're going to watch out for him. Nanai. We'll talk about it in the preview, but yeah. Jeremiah Nenai. Nenai, yeah. All right, we'll save that one for the preview. That, that's called a teaser there in the biz. <laughs> and uh, we'll wrap it up here for another week. Um, but yeah, nice to be back in the winner's circle, boys. Um, we had a comprehensive victory over the Knights, and, and uh, we hope to keep that running uh, next week. Unbelievably, it's halftime in this game as we record in the uh, second Anzac Day clash, Warriors versus Storm. If the Warriors somehow overcome the 16 to 10 deficit at halftime, and beat the storm. We will end this round after losing to the Tigers in embarrassing circumstances last week. We'll end the next round in second place. The NRL was just so weird. <laughs> like seriously, very weird. Uh, that's why you know, no need death ride, no need to be chicken littles, and it's also round seven. So you know, unless you're bottom four, yeah, doesn't really matter still where you are. Plenty for ball to play. This shake out the ladder exactly, mate. And South's doing us a solid, and also <laughs> losing to the to the West Tigers the next week by oh, field goal. Man. So uh, the, the thank you. Show was brutal. <laughs> Poor Cody Walker there, grilled. Oh, God. Yeah. All right, guys, we'll catch you on the next Parrot Podcast. See you next week, guys. So here's later. Yeah.